There are two things that firefighters hate, change and the way things are. The world can seem like a daunting and complicated place at times, especially considering the perpetually increasing complexity of our chosen career. As building materials and textiles change chemical composition, the time of survivability and rate of fire spread rapidly decrease. If we choose not to adapt to these changes, then we're choosing to be victims of our environments, and it could ultimately end up killing us one day. The whole plight of this ignited movement is to disrupt that stagnation that we may have found ourselves in, specifically in regards to the fire service. If you're listening to this now, then you've most likely taken a look around and realized just how content people are with the status quo. This level of contentment is killing us, literally and figuratively. The stagnant attitudes kill the legacy of the fire service, and the lack of movement kills us off soon after retirement. It's up to us to take the reins and make sure we're driving forward and not just sitting still. By being willing and able to adapt to the circumstances around us, we fight that complacency. We've got to take active steps toward being adaptable and becoming better. In today's episode, I'll talk about the different types of adaptation, and I'll give you some steps you can take to become more adaptable in your environment. You are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. We all know that whenever we get a new policy or procedure, or even a new piece of equipment, we can sometimes be reluctant to abide or implement, right? We are creatures of habit. So when our habits and routines get disrupted, we tend to freak out and resist. I feel like it's a bit hypocritical of us to pick and choose what we're willing to be adaptable in and what we aren't. With all this in mind, I'd like to share some ways that can help us be more adaptable, not only in our professional lives, but in our personal lives as well. But before I dive into all that, I'd like to talk about the two different types of adaptation, structural and behavioral. So first off, structural adaptation. These are physical adaptations that we make. As we go throughout our lives, we're exposed to different environments, and through that exposure, we undergo some form of physical adaptation. 
So for example, with the invention of the computer and more and more jobs requiring people to sit at a desk for hours a day, I see that lower back pain is a theme among my clients who have jobs like this. And something else that stands out for people who sit at computers for long hours uh, is uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, which is an adaptation due to the amount of pressure on the median nerve in the wrist. And this may sound a little crazy, but something called text neck, <laughs> yeah, text neck is becoming more prominent as more and more people are walking around with their heads tilted at an angle so they can be on their phone, checking emails, social media, playing games, whatever. As our physical environment changes, we make structural adaptations whether we know it or not. The constant effect of gravity on our bodies has us making structural adaptations we may not even be aware of. Like we don't really necessarily feel ourselves growing, right? We're not aware of it. Um, I recently read an article about how an astronaut grew two inches in space over the course of a year due to the absence of the gravitational force on his body. So keep in mind, you're a product of your environment. So be mindful of the environment that you put yourself in. The second kind of adaptation is behavioral. Now, the same goes for behavioral adaptation. Depending on your environment and the events taking place around us, our behavior changes either as a result of those events or in spite of them. For example, I used to be on the 3-4 schedule where I'd work three 24-hour shifts over five days, and then I'd have four days off. Then it was proposed that we switch to the 48-96 schedule where we work a 48-hour shift straight, and then we have four days off. I friggin' love this schedule. It's amazing. I love it. There was some resistance by the guys at first, but once they started working it, their behavior adapted. Their behavior changed. And these adaptations happened because the guys realized that they were commuting less to work. They had more mornings at home with their families. And also, instead of having three days that could potentially be gobbled up in recovery with the old 3-4 schedule... There was only one day where if we needed to recover from a hellacious shift, we could use that one day instead of chewing up the majority of our days off. One of the behavioral changes I see in my clients who are going through the structural adaptation of exercising is how their behavioral adaptation quickly follows suit. This comes with the consistency of going to training sessions, of course, but the habit is built and your body rewards you by becoming physically stronger, aesthetically better looking, and more mentally and emotionally happy. And not only just happy, but more mentally and emotionally in control too. Oftentimes, the challenge of adaptability comes when we need to make behavioral changes with a full understanding of the effort needed to accomplish them. It's the effort part that people typically have a hard time with, right? The problem is that we don't want to do it because it takes effort, and we may not believe that the outcome will result in improvement. However, it's a person's willingness and drive that makes them successful in their adaptability and makes them stand head and shoulders above those around them who aren't willing to do that work. So, how can we become more adaptable? Number one, we can recognize our biological disposition to adaptation. Our bodies and brains are already conditioned to adapt to change. I mentioned how physical exercise causes our bodies and even our minds 
to change due to the pressures we put on them. The term used for how our brains respond to adaptation is called neuroplasticity. In neuroplasticity, the paths or neural networks of our minds, which determine our thoughts, our choices, and actions, are strengthened through continual use. When we think or do something the same way over and over again, we reinforce the neural network and form a habit. This explains why we do things the same way without thinking about them, right? They become automatic. But neuroplasticity means that we can think in different ways and make new neural paths as well. Our brains possess this moldable quality even into our elderly days. So you're already changing and your brain is set up to change as well. And though you think you can't change, the science shows that you can. It's just a matter of time and repetition. There are a couple of books out there that I've read that can help you reframe your mind into a state where your thoughts become things and how you can build habits on a small level that will end in big results. The first book is called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And the second is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'll post links to my reviews of both of these books in the show notes. And of course, they're on Amazon. I would highly encourage you guys to buy them. You're not going to regret reading them. Trust me on that one. Number two, we can ask different questions. The questions we usually ask will get us the sort of answers we usually get, which isn't so helpful when we're in need of new ideas. So try something different. Most of us naturally ask questions that narrow and push toward a solution. In complexity, being open to different possibilities is key. In a situation with lots of variables, narrowing is too likely to leave you attached to a solution that used to be reasonable, but just isn't anymore. Have you ever heard some crusty non-progressive person say something like, but that's the way we've always done it? Doesn't really bode well for you know building something new, right? Push yourself to ask different questions like, what stands out to you most about the situation? Or what are we ignoring because we don't happen to like what it means? One question I like to ask people in meeting them for the first time isn't, what do you do for a living? But what do you like to do when you're not working? Not only does it spice things up a bit, but it creates a new neural pathway, not only in yourself, but in the person that you're asking the question to because they're, they're kind of caught off guard, right? They're going to have to think of a new answer. They can't just spout out, oh, well, I'm a lawyer or I'm a teacher or whatever. They have to think about a whole new answer and set it up in their mind. And I can almost guarantee that this new person will definitely remember your interaction because of the new approach you took in getting to know them. Sometimes when we respond to EMS calls, we get people who can't land the plane when we ask them what brings us out today right? That open-ended question has gotten me some crazy answers. And a lot of the time people want to tell me about an issue they had back in 2002. And I don't really care what happened back in 2002 if it doesn't pertain to why you called me today. Why am I here today? What brings us out? Why did you call 911, right? So what I'll do is I'll ask different questions with my patients. Something like, out of all the things bothering you today, what's bothering you the most right now? 
People call us because they have a problem or 12, right? And they'll not hesitate to tell you about all 12 of those problems. Utilize a method of asking different questions that'll help your patient get the care that they need in a more streamlined way. And it'll help you do your job in a more efficient and effective manner. Different questions open you up to new possibilities and create a more flexible, agile mindset. Number three, accept multiple perspectives. We often think we've done our due diligence in this when we really have mostly just asked the people whose ideas we already know and will confirm what we think. That's safe, right? We don't want to go out of bounds. People see confrontation as a bad thing, but in reality, it's the road to clarity and a broader understanding of any situation. Yeah, the way someone might confront someone uh, might make them come off as an asshole, but you just have to do that much more due diligence to make sure you're not coming off that way, right? When you're dealing with a complex situation, which we do all the time, each person's perspective is too small. And a group that's aligned with a single perspective is collectively missing important pieces. We need to get out of the truck and look at the entire scene. And what I mean by this is like in to our approach to an MVA or an MVC, motor vehicle collision, right? Do we just pull up on scene and sit in a cab gathering information and giving our report from that one perspective? Or do we get out of the truck, walk around the scene, gather perspectives from all sides, give our triage report, and then formulate our plan? When it comes to our relationships with others in the firehouse, we shouldn't simply write someone off as a moron and decide that they just won't ever get it. When we do things like that, it eliminates our ability to learn from that person and build a relationship on understanding. So it's important for us to get those other perspectives. Try keeping your opinion out of it. Try keeping your opinion out and focus on active listening. When you feel like you want to state your opinion, ask a question instead. Number four, make adaptability a habit in itself. Adaptability can be a habit that we build just like any other habit. And the book I mentioned, James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits, this book is awesome. He lays out practical strategies and steps you can take to build habits small and eventually make them big habits and effective changes in your life. It's awesome. The more we focus on building that habit and make conscious decisions toward it, the better we'll be at it and the more it'll become a natural part of our lives. But how do we do that? By making the active choice to do so. Our intentional and conscious thinking is what redirects our process to a new neural path. When you do it again and again, that path takes precedence over the old ones. Think of an old path in the forest, right? Like an old trail. Without much use, that path becomes overgrown with branches and weeds and stuff. And it gets so overgrown to the point that you can't even find it anymore. But when we forge a new path and do the work, consciously hacking through and revisiting that path, it becomes the clear way to proceed. Number five, make sure to consider the bigger picture. Human nature has us pulling things apart and solving the problem bits at a time. When things are more complex, like on a fire ground, we can't afford to take the time to do that, right? Lives are on the line. When we are subjected to company officers or battalion chiefs who do that, we call them micromanagers, 
and they tend not to be very popular among the crews. It's almost like watching a hockey game. Think of it this way. If you try and focus on the puck, you'll become lost, right? And if you focus on the interactions of the players instead, you'll start to see patterns and the game will take on a whole new meaning. It's the patterns that help us see the bigger picture. As we focus on the issue as a whole, once we have a rein on it, we can start to focus on the smaller elements that may need some attention. You absolutely do not want to find yourself getting lost in the minutia and becoming the one who can't operate because they're all caught up in the details. You don't want to be that person. I know I don't want that person on my crew, and I sure as hell don't want to be that person. Moving on to number six, we need to experiment and learn. When it's game time, all the variables call for a series of fail-safe experiments, tried-and-true tactics that we can use to nudge the situation toward the direction we want it to go. However, when we're graced with a little more time to think things out more thoroughly and try some experimentation, we should take those opportunities. I'm not saying on an active fireground or EMS scene where there's imminent danger or imminent life threats. I'm talking about things that are less acute and, and even like training scenarios. I'm also talking about in-house relationships and culture. For example, if you decide that your culture needs a tweak, avoid the typical solution of slapping a quote, be nice sticker all over every window and piece of equipment in the department. Instead, Look for unexpected places where the desired culture is shining bright. Learn what you can about what is making it work in that instance and adopt a plan for dispersing the ideal across the board. For example, if you have a crew that's getting along great and naturally shows the core values that your organization boasts, then find out what dynamic is making it work so well there and try introducing it to a crew who who isn't that way. The crew who doesn't seem to really want to come to work on time, if at all. Identify the hangups of the crews who constantly have to have chief officers come in and mitigate ridiculous issues like, who stole my energy drinks? These are obviously the crews who are deteriorating the brotherhood that we all desire to have at the firehouse. Side note, by the way, one thing that really surprised me when I got hired full-time as a firefighter is that for some reason, we feel the need to put locks on our kitty and our station lockers because we're afraid other crews are going to steal our stuff. Shouldn't we be hiring people that would never think to do something like that? I mean, haven't we all had the question, what does integrity mean to you in our interviews? I, I don't know how these people get past the gauntlet that is testing for the fire service. I don't get it. It's beyond me. So it's kind of ironic to me that we have locks on our kitty lockers and our station locks or our station lockers. It just seems completely the opposite of what we're trying to promote. But anyway, just my two cents there. Little tangent. Finally, number seven, we need to commit to time and repetition. Anyone can make changes. Anyone can make changes. I don't believe the whole, you can't teach an old dog new tricks thing. I don't believe that. Those guys who act like they can't fill out an EPCR are making the active choice to remain ignorant. They're choosing active ignorance, which is crazy to me. And the supervisors who allow that mentality to continue are doing nothing for their organization, nothing for their community, and nothing for the fire service in general. 
Our thinking influences our behavior and our behaviors influence our thinking. It's like a Mobius strip, right? They're connected. They're connected and continually influencing each other. When we introduce conscious action into the mix, our brains are forced to work overtime to create new pathways of thinking and behaving. The actions change our thinking. Adapting to change requires the effort and time of repetition. Consistency is the key. It is crucial. The good news is you can hack your behavior and thinking through intentional actions, right? Being purposeful. By making an effort to think intentionally and committing to regular, consistent action, you will reform and rewire your brain. Forming and strengthening your neural networks takes time and repetition. The more you think and act in specific ways, good or bad, the stronger the network gets until it's automatic. As much as adaptability is an attitude, it can also become a subconscious habit. The more we do or don't do something, the more we solidify that thing in our neuroplasticity. If you spend downtime at the station looking down at your phone and playing stupid games that are of no importance whatsoever, then guess what? The more you solidify your brain into accepting a lazy state of mind that offers no form of productivity or contribution. Why not spend that time on a special project or reading a book or working out? or doing something of importance. <laughs> Make a conscious effort to build new pathways that would have you adapt to a better and more productive way of life so that you can be the firefighter that you would want on your crew. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast, guys. I really, really appreciate it. Please subscribe and share and leave a rating and review. As we delve deeper into these topics, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. Please feel free to shoot me a message and ask any question you want. I'm building this community for us. One way you can become more directly involved is to join the Ignited Firefighter Podcast community on Facebook. This is where we as firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and dive deeper into the topics discussed on the show. I also mentioned a couple of books today in this episode. If you like reading books and expanding your mind and skill set, then join the Ignited Readers Book Club on Facebook. We read a different book every month that can be directly related to our roles and responsibilities at the firehouse. Remember, we're brothers and sisters, and we need to do what we can to rebuild the brotherhood that attracted us to the profession in the first place. The only way this is going to happen is through open and honest communication. As we openly talk about things and ask tough questions, we give our brothers and sisters power to do the same. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Ignited.